everyone, and welcome to Project Derailed's newest podcast, Big Streaming Pile. This is a podcast where we are going to talk about bad movies that you can find on Netflix. Uh, to start, I want to say that I think that bad movies is a bit of a misnomer. I think that a lot of people uh, associate bad movies with not enjoying movies, and I personally very much enjoy bad movies, and I like to talk about them. So that's what this show is going to be about. We're going to talk about them and take them somewhat seriously in our analysis of them. So my name is Fiona L.F. Kelly. You can find my work on Project Derailed, uh, my written work, and I am on our other podcast, uh, Tales of the Voidfarer. And here with me I have Tom Goldblatt. Hi, Fiona. Hi, Tom. Do you want to introduce yourself? Um, my name is Tom Goldthwaite. I can be found nowhere, um, but I'm excited to talk about the tallest of gals. Tom is our producer on Tales of the Void Fair, <laughs> and every once in a while he'll drop a uh, really steamy take on something <laughs> on Project Derailed. So I, I really wanted to have him on here because I think that Tom goes in really interesting directions with his analyses <laughs> to the point where I'm still thinking about your, your Rick and Morty analyses like four or five years later, <laughs> however long it's been. But uh, today for our very first movie that we're doing on here, or maybe not, we might upload these in a different order, but this is the first time we're recording and we are going to talk about Tall Girl, the no longest <laughs> the longest lady. That's how we've been referring to her in our household. The longest lady, the largest gal. <laughs> Um, do you want to start or should I start? I will be happy to start. Okay. Um, so, um, we're still working on the format, I guess. It's probably good to start with just like a rundown of what happens. Right. With maybe some commentary for Spice. Okay. So what happens in Tall Girl? So, oh, you should not be listening to this podcast if you have not seen these movies. Well, I mean, I'm sure someone will. Well, if you care about spoilers, you <laughs> yeah, be yeah, listening. if you care about spoilers, this, yeah. yeah, we're gonna this spoil is, it. This is uh, all sorts of spoilers. So this movie is directed by Enzinga Stewart. It was written by Sam Wolfson. We have a list of characters here, so we should know all the characters' names as we go through it. But Jody is a tall one. She is in the, high school. The titular. She, she is the she is the titular tall girl. Uh, she's in high school. She's six foot one and a half, and she is uh, very self-conscious about it. And she has this annoying friend who I might mess up and call him Ducky because he's clearly supposed to be Ducky from Pretty in Pink. But his name is Dunkers, uh, Jack Dunkelman. And he is her friend who is much shorter than her, but he's like really into her. And she has another friend, Farida, who always stands up for her when people bully her and ask her how the air is up there. The most biting of insults. <laughs> and so this this guy comes to school and he he's probably like 6'2", maybe he's her height as well, but he is a tall lad. Yes. But the problem is that he's already dating the popular mean girl, Kimmy, and, oh, and the hot Swedish tall guy, his name is uh, Stieg. Importantly, he's an exchange student. He's an exchange student, And it, it yes. literally is like a plot point here that, to him, Jody is just a normal girl because everyone in Sweden is really tall. Yeah, everyone in Sweden <laughs> is really hot and tall. So he's coming into the situation thinking that he's like an ugly weirdo, and he finds out that he is, in fact, 
very attractive. So he's dating uh, the mean girl, Kimmy, but then he and Jody end up connecting and being kind of into each other through a series of events that doesn't work out. And he ends up with Kimmy and he ends up choosing popularity over going to Jody's sister's Miss Louisiana beauty pageant. And she's very upset about this. And there's, uh, there's of course a prom scene where Jody comes in after being very self-conscious the whole movie. And she is inexplicably wearing pleasers and a blue suit which I think is a fabulous look, but not necessarily for prom. And uh, she does a speech about how it's okay to be tall. And then she leaves and she realized that Dunkers was carrying a milk crate the whole movie so that he could stand on it and kiss her. And it was a lot of fun. It was, it's about an hour and 40 minutes of that, of just being <laughs> tall. And I can relate to that. I'm a woman who's like five foot ten. I wear like a size twelve shoe in women's, so I, I can kind of feel that. Like, the pleasers are expensive. They're like a hundred bucks. But <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's the plot of the movie. That's what it's about. But we're going to get into our weird analyses of like what the movie means and what our hottest takes of this movie were. Can I uh, talk about what was the funniest moment in the movie to me? All right. So, um, important to this is I was watching with the captions on. So, the character Kimmy, part of the gag for her is that she's absurdly well-traveled and cosmopolitan, so she'll just, like, bust out speaking different languages. And when she does so, the captions will come up and be, like, in German, and they'll give, like, the translation of what she's saying. Um... But at one point, she was having a conversation that was entirely in English. And just at the end, she just, in a very, like, friendly way, says, Ciao! And the captions pop up in Italian, bye. <laughs> Laters, baby. <laughs> um. <laughs> Which, when that happened, I had to pause it and just laugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, <laughs> I also watched with the captions on and noticed that and had a hearty chuckle. <laughs> Um, something interesting that I noticed at the beginning was that the book that she is reading uh, with the guy who we never see again, like just the other guy to show yeah. how she's a giant freak, I guess, <laughs> uh, they were reading A Confederacy of Dunces. And I think that they chose this book because it's about a guy who feels like he's very alone and it's also set in New Orleans, Louisiana, where this movie takes place. But I find it very interesting because uh, Jody, we're meant to assume, relates to the main character. She talks about how it's about alienation and like no one really gets him and uses his intellect because he's better than everyone. I forget what her actual argument was. But so I looked up what this book was about and I was like, okay, so it's set in New Orleans. I, I see the connection. But then they described the main character as a fat Don Quixote and a perverse Thomas Aquinas, which I thought was really interesting. And the book is, how, is about how he stays in this place where he thinks he's better than everyone else and everyone else just kind of indulges it, but he never wants to leave at the same time because he's just so used to being the smartest, the best and everything. But all of this is a delusion. He's not actually any of these things. He has Don Quixote syndrome. And that leads me to an interesting theory about the movie, which is that Jodi is an unreliable narrator. And this is all through her perspective okay. and her eyes. So 
I think that Jody is not actually bullied or like not actually bullied that bad. Okay. And I get this through a couple different ways. So one is that how's the air up there is just not a very good insult. Like if that's the worst yeah. that she's getting, it's really not that bad. I mean, like, is Jody like really... it would be annoying? Yeah, it would be annoying. But like, is Jody really the weirdest kid at her school? Is she really like the ugliest kid at her school? Like, that would be kind of crazy to me if like the weirdest kid is just like sort of tall because she's six foot one, which is about the height of like a Victoria's Secret model. <laughs> like that's yeah. not actually I mean, super unusual. I knew some like tall people in high school, like, like tall girls in high school. I mean, I, I don't, I don't speak for their experience at all but i mean i don't know i never felt like i heard them complain about it directly like i've seen online like people complain that it's a little bit harder to like get matches on tinder as a really tall girl but like yeah and i think that that some teasing and bullying is there i don't think it's quite life ruining as we're meant to like expect so Part of the things I've noticed, and this is pointed out to me by our friend Chelsea, who's really into visual storytelling, who also watched this very bad movie and gave me her thoughts on it. But uh, if we notice throughout the film, and I think that this is, like, if you read it just as is, I think that this is meant to just symbolize that she just doesn't want to be noticed, that she's blending in. But Jody matches her surroundings, like, all the time. Hmm. Almost every set is blue, and Jody is always wearing blue. But I noticed something weird about the lockers, too. And the lockers are obscenely high compared to the rest of the cast. So Jody is almost face level with her lock. And I am also a fairly tall girl. And I would have to probably reach over my head to get into this locker. So who are these lockers for? <laughs> and it makes me think that Jody is in a world that's designed for her. And people, through their own insecurities, like, worries about their own masculinity, being shorter than this woman, or something like that, um, it comes up, and that's why she's teased. But it's not because there's anything wrong with her. It's because people are self-conscious about something else, and she'll get she'll get flashes of that occasionally, but she turns this in on herself so much, and it makes her an unreliable narrator. Hmm. Okay. And this is further proven, I think, by the very first scene, the library scene, where they're reading A Confederacy of Dunces, where she's talking about the delusional Don Quixote type of character, saying how she relates to this person, and then she is in front of blue books. There is a guy across from her, who is also wearing blue, who is in front of yellow books. So this guy does not fit in. He is already, like, contrasting a lot. And he, and they both stand up. And he is obscenely shorter than her. Like, he's, you know, he's a short dude. Like, (laughs) this movie could have been called Short Dude. Because if she's (laughs) 6'1", and he is, like, six inches shorter than her, that's pretty short for a guy. Yeah. Which I think would play more into, like, his disgust being with himself rather than with Jody. Like, he sees this girl that he's clearly interested in, he thinks she's pretty, and she stands up and he's like, oh god, like, I am reminded of my own you know, pun intended shortcomings. Yeah. <laughs> so that is my, my like gender read of it is that okay. so much of this and so many of the characters who are, pers- who are shown as having a problem with this, they're all men. So it's like her dad, it's, it's these, you know, other men that she's with, except for Dunkers, um, and Stieg, who is the appropriate height, I guess. But, um, yeah, all these men are like short men. I find that interesting. So it's not like, 
Stieg was ever like, Jody, you're hideous because you're a tall girl. You are my height. That is too tall for a woman. <laughs> it's it's all done by shorter guys. And I, yeah. I find that very interesting. It is interesting. Um, I have a slightly different take or read, I guess. Okay. It's not like contradictory, but it sort of like explains things differently. Because like, obviously, and if you haven't watched it, at least I think to us, it had a really weird feeling I mean, this almost, like, bizarre dystopia where, like, everyone is constantly talking about, like, their height. Yeah. And, like, everyone comments on her height. And, like, it's not like... It's not like she is insecure about her height, but the world doesn't really care, which I think is more realistic. Right. This is, like, the world really does care about her height. Like, we have a scene where she's, like, still very young, like, six or seven, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they might even say in the movie how old she is, but I forget... But her parents are like, is there any medicine we can give her to, like, stunt her growth? So, <laughs> I I actually also have a theory about that scene. I, okay. I took some notes about that scene today. Again, um, going into Jody is an unreliable narrator. So, she's a child in the scene. Uh, she might have remembered the scene differently than how it happened. She already felt strange about always being the tallest kid in her class. She might have misunderstood what her dad was going for because her dad, in the scenes where we see her dad and it's like present day, he is talking about being worried about her health, which it is, you know, a thing that when you're taller, you have joint issues, mm -hmm. there, you can have problems with your heart, things like that. And then he also wants her to feel like she belongs. So it's not necessarily that he doesn't want her to be tall. I mean, he brings the tall society. I don't remember what they yeah. were called. All the tall people to the house. The tall like, people's club. The tall people's club. And he's like, hey, Jody, we found some friends for you. Isn't this great? So I, I, I still think that that can fit into the Jody is an unreliable narrator theory. Okay. So my theory is, so like, you know, like the TV show MASH? Yes. How it was literally about the Korean War, but... Everyone knew it was, like, in a figurative sense, it was a commentary on the Vietnam War. It's just by setting in the Korean War, they gained, like, a little bit of distance, and they could talk about it without, like, talk about issues of the day without it being, like, literally talking about the issues of the day. Right. And I almost felt like that kind of thing where it's, like, it seemed like what they wanted to talk about was, like, fat phobia and, like, fat shaming. Right. But making a movie called, like, Fat Girl would be... I would watch it. I would watch that every day. <laughs> but it would be, like, some... It would be wild. Right. Um, and you, like, sort of get this. So uh, one movie that I might actually say we should add to our list that I think is sort of about that... Well, I know that... Um, oh, gosh. I think it's called Dumplin' is, is about that. And I know that that's based on a book, and it also has a whole, like beauty queen subplot and there is like you know the netflix show that i forget what it's called but it's about this girl who's very overweight and she gets her this is horrible she gets her jaw wired shut and she loses a bunch of weight and everyone likes her and she's like aha this means i can get revenge on everyone because i'm hot now and uh yeah so i think that they could have played it that way i think it would have played about just as well but i think it's it's more convincing that someone would be bullied for something like being overweight than just like yeah. being tall <laughs> yeah well i think that almost like everything that happens in this movie makes more sense in the context of being overweight 
Because that is something that, like, parents really will freak out about. Right. And people are, like, obsessed with, with the health, health implications. Yeah. So that's, like, her father, like, freaking out about, like, joint pain. Right. Like, that can carry over almost one-to-one if she was just overweight. And just the way that people interact and talk to her about it, yeah. to me... Yeah, and, like, the beauty queen sister. And, yeah, yeah, like, feels very... Feels, like, very realistic if it was talking about being overweight yeah but when it's ported over to talking about being tall it feels really weird yeah because we don't treat tall people like that like tall people are very revered oh there was a moment where uh it's like a flashback to when they were kids and kimmy calls uh Jody Taller Swift, which I thought was very funny because Taylor Swift's like five foot eleven. Like she's yeah, not actually. Yeah, she's already like fairly like, tall. Yeah, and she's always in heels and stuff like that. Yeah. And again, that's many models. Like you basically have to be above like five foot nine to be a model. Even like Miss Universe, which her sister was very involved in. I haven't looked up the actress's height, but they made her seem like she was very short. And I think that you have to. They don't even let you into Miss Universe if you aren't at least five foot six. So you have to be a, at least a long gal, if not an extra long gal, <laughs> to be a beauty queen. Okay. I hadn't even thought about that angle of Yeah. It. And the woman who plays her mom is, is Angela from The Office. And they made a lot of comments about Angela being very, very short throughout The Office. So I, I have to also think that this was, again, reimagined for the purposes of making Jodie look even more freakish, I guess, compared to her family. Yeah. Had you, like, looked up the actress's actual height? Is she 6'1", or...? Yeah, so she okay. is 6'1". Um, so, <laughs> this the actress who plays Jodi, she was originally featured on Dance Moms as, like, a child. And uh, the infamous thing that happened on Dance Moms was uh, Abby Lee, they were dancing, and she was, I think, also a little bit older than the other girls, and, and Abby Lee's like, sorry, Ava, you're too tall today, you're off the team. So it really kind of fits in this, you know, young woman's career that she would then go on to star in a movie called Tall Girl, because that has been her experience in pop culture and in the public eye, that she has, in fact, been shamed for being tall, um, you know, as a child on this competitive dance team and yeah. now in this movie. And she is tall. She is, you know, she's over six foot. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a tall woman. But um, I think in Hollywood, that is, that's basically celebrated. And I think that Dance Moms is not... Uh, indicative of the real world or else it would be absolutely horrifying <laughs> so there is a scene that i wanted to ask you about with okay. uh your theory in mind about it's actually about um fat phobia or you know so, something else that you're self-conscious about which i think is absolutely true i think that you're meant to put your own insecurities onto jody and see that in fact it's not that big of a deal i mm -hmm. think that that's that's accurate but i still like my theory that she's an unreliable narrator this is like all going on yeah. in her head well before you go on i do think it's important though like there's a huge difference between a story where you have an insecurity that is like legitimately reinforced constantly by other people right and you're dealing with that insecurity is you have to push against the other people and tell them no i'm cool with how i am because that's one type of story, but there's a very different type of story that is you are insecure about something that no one else actually cares about. Because they're like the the character development, like the the culmination is not a defiance of everybody. It's a like 
realization that the thing isn't as important as you thought it was. Right, which kind of goes on to my next point. There's a scene early on when she's talking to her mom about adversity. And uh, during this scene, I wrote down what exactly they said. Um, So her mom is talking about how the adversity that she faced in high school was she was asked out too many times to prom. She was asked out nine times to prom or ten times or something like that, and she had to turn down everyone except one person. And she asked... Does that count as uh, does that count as adversity? And Jody says, "No, it doesn't." Um, Jody is also later watching Oklahoma, which, if you know the plot of Oklahoma, it's about girls who can't pick between various guys for multiple reasons. But she's watching that with Steve, and you know, Dunkers is kind of going in now that scene. But I thought it was really interesting because that basically does end up being Jody's conflict throughout the movie is that. You know, she has uh, Steak, who she's interested in. Dunkers is very interested in her, and they end up together at the end of the movie. And then Shipper, in the middle of the movie, asks her out, and they make out with everyone. It was That was a weird scene. That made me, like, a little bit uncomfortable. That was a weird scene. But uh, she does have to go through all these men and turn them down, even though they yeah. all, like, you know, are not in the context of prom or homecoming or whatever the dance was, but... Just in her life, she is having to continually turn men down. And there's never even really a moment where she is with someone that she's really interested in and they're like, no, you're too tall. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That doesn't really happen that she, like, loses out on romantic opportunities for her height. Although I think that the movie is intended to sort of imply that that had been, like, the background noise of her past. Although, once again, I would be inclined to think that that's more in her head than the outside worlds right which which i think is accurate to you know even what i'm saying about the movie yeah i I do think something that i i do want to i guess make sure i clarify on because i don't want to sound like an asshole about it like i think it's very true that many people do have insecurities about themselves and those are very real i think it's also very true that people who have those insecurities there are like bullies who will find those insecurities and pick on them for it yeah absolutely and and i I think that especially happens to women yeah or at least with their bodies it happens to women i think men at all ages are much less policed on bodies and have their own issues um well what's interesting when we put it in that context though is that it almost makes jody a villain if we think that like a lot of this is in her head and she's kind of projecting it onto the world so at one point she says to dunker's Uh, what's even more of a mystery is that he's crazy about someone two times his size. And she is really unwilling to date someone shorter than her. Like, it embarrasses her. She doesn't see him... She doesn't take him seriously throughout the whole movie until the very end of the movie when (laughs) when she says, and this made me laugh, she says, I'm making revisions to my perfect boyfriend checklist. And I was like, wow. What a shitty thing to say. Like, I am settling, Dunkers. I am. I have to change what I want because you were nice to me. And I'm like, that's, like, kind of mean. And it's also a little bit mean that, um, you know, we have Kimmy, who has been a tormentor. Like, we see yeah. her. We see her bullying. And she just sort of steals her boyfriend, like, the sister when Kimmy is... Uh, elected prom queen is like oh really are you sure like you know (laughs) kimmy's prom queen you know whatever and then uh she steals her moment again 
by, you know, Steed leaving her and running after Jody, who turns him down, and then Jody going up on stage and talking about how it's okay that she's tall and, like, you know, if they want to make fun of her, they can, but she's okay with it. And I'm like, this movie has not really set up enough with Kimmy being evil, I think, to uh, to take her down that many times. Yeah, like, yeah. It just seemed like Kimmy had a really bad night, and, like, she was a mean girl, clearly. I yeah. also thought, so this is kind of random, I also thought it was really strange that she was shown as being friends with Liz, uh, the the girl that Dunkers dated for a little bit, who seemed like a really good match. Liz for was him. really cool. Liz was really cool, and they were shown like she and Kimmy were shown as being like best friends, and Liz seemed like a little nerdy. So I'm like, what's going on here? Like I'm kind of curious about yeah. how that friendship came up. Yeah, I definitely, I I kind of, I'm starting to buy into this unreliable narrator theory because Kimmy, when you really look at it, like said some mean stuff to Jody when they were like pretty young. Which is, I mean, obviously not good, but I think it's also something that lots of people grow out of and become much nicer people. Yeah, and I I do think, you know, it is unkind, but if the worst thing that, you know, well, I actually think the phone call is the worst thing, but the things that... that okay, that actually was shitty. I, yeah, the I was forgetting the phone about that. Call, that really was pretty shitty. Yeah, the phone call was very unkind, um, which I'm surprised that they didn't bring that up more, yeah. like the phone call. They just kind of like did it and left it and if Kimmy was doing like that stuff through the whole movie I'd be like oh she's she's absolutely the worst but it seems like that was so much in retaliation to her walking in on Stieg and uh Stieg and Jody and seeing them do stuff that it was very reactionary which I also kind of I I wasn't willing to forgive it but I understood it yeah a lot more definitely and then you know so less mean girl and more like freak out yeah, definitely not a nice girl. Like, I don't, yeah. I, I wouldn't call Kimmy nice, but I think that she was surprisingly cordial compared to most, like, mean girl characters yeah. in movies like this. So, um, this movie, I think, takes a lot of inspiration from John Hughes, especially, like, Pretty in Pink. And some of the things that, like, the mean kids did in those movies were, like, outright cruel. <laughs> yeah. When Kimmy's like, oh, she, like, makes a phone call. That, that might have been taken from Pretty in Pink. I don't remember, but. I don't know, like, I, I I don't think that that was as bad as, you know, many mean girl characters were supposed to, Yeah, you know. And it's not like she records it and puts it on the internet or something. No. Which would make it much crueler, Yeah, it, it would make it... I think that would make it more in line with sort of, like, the trope yeah. of, like, embarrassing them in front of the whole school, but... Yeah, and then, and then you know, uh, Jody. it's not like Jody has no power here. Jody mm-hmm. then goes, goes on a date with her boyfriend and kisses him. Yeah. Which, like... <laughs> They're kind of mean to each other. And then on top of that, like, Jody's pretty mean to Dunkers. Like, I'm not sure why Dunkers likes her that much, because she is just cruel to him this yeah. whole movie. Let's actually talk about Dunkers a little bit. Okay. So, it really... I was kind of dumbfounded at the end when she actually ended up with Dunkers. Yeah. Because I felt that dude sucked. Yeah. And, like... And like so the movie tried to give him his redemption moment where like he you know throws a punch and takes a punch for Jody's honor yeah. but like that's it that's like the only nice thing he did for anyone yeah. <laughs> in that entire movie yeah. every single other moment in that movie he was entirely self-interested and did not care at all about anyone else i mean he like is happy to screw over like Jody, Steeg, Liz, everyone yeah 
And, like, what's crazy is that I kind of liked him with Liz. I thought that they had, like, good chemistry yeah. together. Um, they had similar interests. She did not, like, imply that he was a freak for the things yeah. that he did. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, yeah, team, team, uh, team Liz and Dunkers. But... So this whole thing, I think, was supposed to be a, a subversion of what happens in Pretty in Pink. I don't okay. know if you've seen Pretty in Pink. I've not seen Pretty in Pink, so okay. this is all kind of over my head. Pretty in Go Pink it. is, it's a John Hughes movie. It's a very similar movie starring Molly Ringwald. Um, the big conflict, she is not an extra tall girl, but she is poor. And okay. it also has, like, a scene where she's trying to go to prom and, like, all this stuff, and I actually think that Farida was was clearly supposed to be an homage to Molly Ringwald's character because she also wanted to be a fashion designer, and she was always okay. coming up with crazy stuff. Um, but so throughout the movie, we have the best friend Ducky, and that's why I keep saying I'm not I'm trying not to call Dunkers Ducky, but uh, Ducky is the best friend of Molly Ringwald's character, whose name I forget, and he's come he's become a very iconic like best friend type of character. So he's really in love with her. She's not interested because they're like just friends and all this stuff. And uh, the cool guy, the Stieg type of character, comes along and sweeps her off her feet. And they go to prom together and have a good time. And she doesn't get together with Ducky. She gets okay. together with the other guy. But then Ducky, at the very end of the movie, like sees a girl he's interested in, like runs off with her. So yeah. Ducky doesn't get like an unhappy ending. Yeah. But yeah. it's clearly supposed to, well, to me anyway, I think it's trying to subvert that being like, you know, the, I guess to to quote another like kind of terrible franchise, uh, it's, it's trying to be Team Jacob a little bit, like Team Friend who's always been there, but it didn't like it seemed like Dunkers was harassing her after yeah. a certain point. Like yeah. I remember the so I watched this like two times, and the first time I watched it, um, about halfway through when she called him her friend, I was like oh, I didn't realize they were friends. I thought that this was just, like, a guy at school who, like, was also harassing her, but he was doing it in a very different way. Like, he wasn't calling her, like, you know, Jody the Green Giant. He was just, like, aggressively trying to date her. Okay. So I think that she does, at the very beginning, introduce him as, like, her best friend. She or does. A, as a yeah, good friend like her. Yeah, yeah, she says, like, he's her oldest friend or something. Yeah. I had missed that. Okay. And just, like, from context, I've been, it's like... not there. He yeah. seems, like, just a huge jerk Because she time. doesn't seem to like him that much. And then it's, like, oh. so shocking when they get together at the end. That was Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. That was another thing that, uh, when I was talking to our friend Chelsea about it, that she brought up, she's, like... That came out of nowhere for me. Like, I would have been, you know, I, I, and they set up, too, that she was supposed to be with Stieg. They went through a very similar journey together. And I know that they're trying to subvert that trope of just, like, getting together with a hot guy because they're hot and they learn something. So isn't that great? But I, I don't know. I would have almost rather her be alone and just, I don't think like, she should have gone with anyone. Yeah. Like, I think that what should have happened is that she, like, turns down Stieg mm -hmm. and then... Like, I think that Dunkers and Liz should have been dating, and then I think that they should have just been friends. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, she just realizes, oh, I'm, like, okay, I'm, like, a junior in high school, I don't actually need to be dating someone right, right. now. Like, I just want to, you know, play piano with my giant hands and, you know, <laughs> play, like, a... The play like a 13th interval yeah <laughs> and i thought it was like really nice to see that even though the mom and the sister come from this beauty queen background and she feels so left out like what was actually like 
the most touching part of the movie to me and we don't see this we're meant to like realize it later but it's when she's with her mom and they're like doing the shopping makeover stuff like that they're not making her look different they put a little bit of lipstick on her like they told they were like hey wear your hair down and like we'll put some some low lights in it and she's still wearing her same color palette just her clothes fit a little bit Mm -hmm. better and she's trying on all these dresses with her mom and her mom's like oh like you know it's fine you look nice in it whatever and then she comes out in a suit which is which really mm-hmm. is a rejection of femininity yeah. more than being tall and her mom is like oh my god that's gorgeous i love mm-hmm. it it's so you all this stuff and no one has a problem with it yeah and like you know the friends all about it all this stuff and i think that that's really nice i wanted to see more of that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is weird that almost portrayed this world where everyone is like perfectly nice and like pretty chill Except for this one issue of height where everyone is like going <laughs> nuts. Yeah, it's it's which very seems strange. like a fair trade for our world, honestly, because like the world seemed like you know nobody was terribly racist, like nobody was like being that mean to each other. Yeah, but they just had a weird hang up about height. <laughs> yeah, I also thought it was like interesting that they went to. Uh, and I think that this does, you know, this this is clearly supposed to be, like, you're supposed to put your own insecurities, the things that, like, you feel weird about that you realize, like, aren't bad about you, that they go to Ruby Bridges High School. I, I don't think that that was an accident or that it was, like, set in New Orleans or anything like that. The one thing I did kind of wonder about was the color palette of blue and yellow because it came through, like, a lot through yeah. the whole movie. And, uh... Jody is often wearing blue, so I, I was kind of like, you know, either this is meant for her to say that she is fitting in or that she's blending into the background, but I did not get if there was supposed to be, like, a significance beyond just that was the color palette of the movie. I think it just made for, like, a colorful screenshot and trailer that they thought yeah. people would click on. <laughs> and, you know, that that might be it. <laughs> that, might, that might be all there is to it, and they didn't really, like go into it uh you know other than that i want to just go in on a few spots in this movie here as sort of a palate cleanser okay because <laughs> there are a few things that i thought were really really stupid okay <laughs> <laughs> so like one of them so okay so it's like a trope at this point of like it's like prom like the big dance in this case it was homecoming but um where it's like the main character ends up on stage and like delivers an inspirational speech but the thing is in like other movies this is always like set up in a way where them being on stage delivering a speech makes sense yeah it's like something happened to like prompt it it's just like open mic night at homecoming (laughs) yeah no one stops everyone just parts yeah i i think that's kind of incredible but yeah it made me laugh so like in mean girls that scene was because she did win yeah like i think it was spring fling queen i think that's what it was in that movie or like I don't know, and Carrie she got the blood dumped on yeah. her, and it was like a big joke and stuff like that. But nope, she just ev- she just goes. Everyone and, was cool with it. And too. Like, like the principal was like smiling. I was yeah. like, wow. I'm like, and part of me was like, what? Like, is someone with like a guitar gonna come up next? And like, <laughs> is it gonna be like a slam poet? Like, <laughs> yeah. Which would honestly be a great way to do homecoming, but I don't think that's what was going on here. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Also, like. I don't know. I guess it happens in movies where, like, the prom king or queen will often make a speech. 
Did that happen at your high school? Because that didn't happen at my high school. I did not uh, go to any dances because uh, I was you not were, into it. Because you were a tall girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and for any listeners, I know you can't see us, but I am about half an inch taller than Tom, so <laughs> so I am the tall girl. <laughs> oh, there was something else. Oh, I, that was our cat. That's our cat. She wanted to join. Um, no, I also, for me, it truly was an incredible moment. And actually, I ended up live tweeting this as I watched it, and I tweeted about this sort of in, like, stunned, just they really did this where it's like she gets up on stage and like the closing of her speech is like and the weather up here it's pretty good (laughs) and then the music like swelled yeah and a beat later everyone started cheering it was just a remarkable moment (laughs) yeah it it sort of reminds me so sometimes i see movies that i i think just sounds like a cutaway gag on family guy (laughs) And Tall Girl, just based on the premise and the title, kind of seems like that. But that moment in particular, I was like, are we living in a simulation? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> did our creators run out of yeah. ideas? The other moment that made me feel that way was on the bus where Stieg says to her, when I look at you, I don't see a tall girl. I just see a girl. <laughs> Which I'm like, um, they really, the screenwriters really stretched on that one. They really. (laughs) So I, I, I gotta say something. So throughout the movie, you see, uh, Jody either matching people around her or people like a couple scenes later wearing very similar things to what she wore a little bit earlier. She and Steak were wearing like the same sweater. Like at one point she's wearing a white knit sweater and then like two scenes later, Stieg is wearing what I think is the exact same sweater. Huh. <laughs> and I thought that like took me out of the movie because I was like, <laughs> and then too, we see, uh, we see Kimmy Saves a couple. costume budget, I yeah, guess. Yeah, we see Kimmy a couple scenes later also wearing a white sweater, but it is like markedly different. But I think it was the same sweater, and I was trying to see it as I was, like, fast-forwarding through and watching again today, if it was, in fact, the same sweater. And I think it's a different one. Like, one is a woman's sweater and one is a men's sweater, but they looked very similar. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, did they, like, change clothes at some point? Like, what is going on here? Something else that was interesting to me is that the movie is nominally set in New Orleans, but I actually, because I paused at this moment, it was 18 minutes in when we get the first sort of, like, B-roll of, like, oh, hey, we're in New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> um, and other than, like, the occasional B-roll and, like, one scene with, like, people dancing down the street to a marching band, the rest is just, like... Well, generic and, and a confederacy of dunces is supposed to be like the canonical work about new orleans okay. so okay. that's another so there's thing. a little bit there okay yeah so uh, actually something interesting that i found out while researching a confederacy of dunces is that at one point john waters wanted to make uh make it into a movie and he wanted to cast divine as the main character and i'm like i wish that that would have happened <laughs> fair but, but, like, outside of those couple things, it very much feels like it's set in, like, generic suburban high school. Right. Like, I guess, like, there's a scene where they take the bus somewhere. Yeah. But, like, other than that, like, 
it just seems like the suburbs. Yeah. It doesn't feel like they're in like Yeah, it didn't it didn't evoke New busy Orleans, New Orleans. <laughs> other than you know. Also no one's speaking with like a southern accent. No, no. Like not even remotely. Like everyone is just like vaguely Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, which is another thing about the Confederacy of of, of Dunces is that uh it's a book that is supposed to have like really recorded like various you know dialects of new orleans mm. like speech which which i also thought was interesting i'm like everyone's just kind of speaking in the you know like the radio voice like yeah. the hollywood voice yeah like it could just easily be a movie about like some like random suburb right like in california yeah what else you got on your notes there i think we covered uh i think we covered it my notes about a lot of them were about her being an unreliable narrator um i also wrote a lot about the different media that's referenced in the movie so at one point um they reference miss congeniality which is Mm. the movie that people think of when they think of like beauty queens and things like that so she's doing the talent that she does in the movie um Mm. until people drink the water where she's like doing the water classes and you know making a little song Mm -hmm. out of it but uh that's also another movie about like well it's about embracing femininity to reject gender roles which i think that they were trying to evoke a little bit uh in this movie like having her come out in a suit but also having the pleasers um, which did not match her suit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I understand that they wanted her to be in blue, but I didn't think that the suit fit very well for one. Uh-huh. And I thought that the pleasers, like, there's a lot of kinds of pleasers. Like, if they wanted her in pleasers, they could have gotten, like, pleasers that match the suit. But I don't know. It was, uh, it was, it was, like, weird costuming throughout, I thought. Yes, yeah. it was, it was a weird movie throughout. Yeah. Oh, another actually very strange costuming thing. So this was partially costuming, partially just how it was shot. So at one point, Farida is wearing a shirt that has letters on it that I think says Queen. But she has a backpack strap over the last letter and her hand is is holding on to the strap. So when I first saw it, I thought that it said queer on it. Like she was like saying that she was like queer in some way. So I'm like, okay, like, like, let's go on the storyline. Like what's going on here? But she, I don't think she ever moved her hand. And I think it was in fact, I think I remember this. I think I did think it said queen. I did not pick up on that. If that was a thing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was supposed to be kind of a mystery. Like, I guess Hmm. that we don't know Farida's sexuality. It was never addressed through the movie. Yeah. It was weird that the last scene where Farida has any lines, as far as I can remember, is the scene where she and Jody fight. Yeah. It's not actually any... Yeah, if she says some... I think that she has, like, one or two lines at the prom, but they're, like, very brief as Jody's leaving. Okay. And we're just supposed to see by her smiling at Jody that she forgives her, but I'm like, yeah. Jody's not being a very good friend here. Yeah, this, it was a little <laughs> weird that, like, they had this person... I don't know, it felt like a plot that they, like, sort of set up, but then just, like, dropped on the floor in favor of other things going on. Right. Because, like, they could have just not had that... Con- I, I guess that's part of it, is that they could have just not had that conflict. Yeah. Just let her be, like, the supportive best friend, and then it's natural that she just doesn't have much to say at the end, because why would she... Yeah. But instead they, like, go out of their way to, like, turn it into a fight between them. Right. Which I don't feel really serve the plot that well. Like, I feel like the 
stuff that happened after would have felt about the same way about anyway. Right. Because we're already kind of, there's other things in there to make it be like, this was weird and she wasn't happy to be there. And like adding the conflict with her best friend felt unnecessary to me. I I do kind of like how they played that plot though. Like I like how they subverted the scorned best friend plot where like, She's not sitting at home like, oh, I have no one to go with now because my BFF Jody isn't coming with me. Yeah. She still goes to the prom. We see her dancing by herself, having like a great time. True. And she uh, doesn't do like the Michael in the bathroom bit. Right. Yeah. And when and even when Jody's like being just a total bummer when they're watching the marching band, she's just like, okay, I'm gonna go dance like by Jody. Yeah. And I kind of liked that about her. Yeah, I liked she that was she... pretty bad. Like Jody did not deserve her as a friend. I know. Honestly. I was like, was I want to cool watch hell. a movie about like Farida and Liz because I think that they would get along. Yeah. And they were my two favorite characters. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have anything else? I don't. I think I've uh, dunked on the parts of the movie I uh, was longing to dunk on. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I think we talked about some pretty interesting digging into what the movie was trying to do. Yeah. No, I think that we did. And, uh, you know, I I will say that I enjoyed the movie. Like, I I don't necessarily think it was like a good movie, but I did. uh, I did smile while I was watching it. I did. I did enjoy myself, which is what I think cinema is supposed to do. I will say that Netflix, like, advertised this movie to me the day it came out, and I got incredibly excited to see it, because, like, <laughs> they sh- they had the trailer on the featured trailer part mm-hmm. that Netflix does now, and it was, like, tall girl, and I'm like, is this movie going to be just about a girl who is tall? And then I watched the trailer, and I'm like, it is, in fact, just about a girl who is tall, <laughs> and I thought that that was, like kind of incredible and like strangely endearing i don't think that this is going to be come part of the canon of like you know high school movies about insecurities that you know people have not (laughs) but i I don't know like i don't regret that i watched it i had i had a fun time with it um I, I think that, like, th- there were some parts actually visually that were pretty interesting to me. Like, it was a bright movie to watch, sure. which I think you don't see that often anymore. You don't see movies that are, like, super yeah. bright and colorful, yeah. which I thought was, like, kind of yeah. cool to see. It was nice to see a movie that, like, you could watch on a streaming service and, like, not sit there and be like, okay, like, which shade of dark is, like you know the person moving (laughs) yeah and it's not in jewel tones contrasted with like gray like a lot of movies are it was it was bright and colorful Mm -hmm. and i i kind of dug that i thought that was cool so you know not a total loss (laughs) yeah yeah um tall girl watch it if you want (laughs) that can be the tagline for the whole show watch it if you want yeah watch it if you want or just listen to us talk about um weird ideas we had while we watch these bad movies we're watching it so you don't necessarily have to but if you want to i encourage you to because filmmaking is a cool thing um you know i like that netflix will sometimes like take a chance on a director who Mm -hmm. does not have a bunch of huge titles behind them like this Mm -hmm. director she's done a lot of like hip-hop videos and stuff like that and uh you know i i I don't think this movie was great i think that that was like partially the fault of like the script and the story but um, it was it was weird <laughs> yeah it, it was weird uh but i don't know I, i'd give i'd give anything else with any of these people a shot i would okay you know and then after that if it's a lot of the same i might be like eh, i don't know but yeah. <laughs> so yeah that was tall girl um watch it know. if you want tall girl watch it if you want 
Now we gotta think of a sign off. That was it. Tell a girl, watch it if you want. <laughs> <laughs>